Today on the eWar podcast, Michael Baumann on commercializing deep tech. Hello and welcome to this episode of the eWar podcast. My name is Leon Burma, and this is the space where founders and investors share the lessons they learned along their journey, so you don't have to learn them the hard way. Today's guest is Michael Baumann, founder and co-CEO of TWICE. Michael has a PhD in mechanical engineering from the Technical University of Munich, focusing on accelerating battery development and extending the life of lithium-ion batteries. During his PhD, he met his now co-founder, Stefan Röhr. In 2018, they incorporated TWICE to commercialize and scale the technologies they developed during their PhD. Michael, it's great to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Super. Hey, can you tell us a little bit more about TWICE? What is the problem that TWICE is solving? Yes. Uh, so our vision is uh, that we want to accelerate tra the transition to renewable energies and electric mobility. So at the moment, we see like a huge movement there, right? Um, to, in the end, um, go towards um, electric mobility and, and uh, powered by renewables. And at the core, essentially, of these two transitions uh, are batteries. So we all know batteries from our daily life, from our cell phones and so on. So batteries are these like costly, um, complex components. And we, in the end, help um, with our battery analytics software to develop batteries for electric mobility and stationary storages faster, uh, to monitor them in the field, to make them last longer, to help with things like safety, warranty, and in the end, uh, generate transparency around batteries and by that uh, leverage the opportunities um, and, and remove uncertainties. That sounds pretty complex. And from what I understand, um, this is actually a product that you started working on during your PhD uh, and that you incorporated in 2019. Can you tell us a little bit more about your PhD thesis? What was it about? What were you researching at that point? Yes. So my, my co-founder and I, I mean, we did our PhD in, in the field of second life of vehicle batteries. Uh, so second life in the end is kind of at the intersection of electric mobility and, and renewables. Uh, so the idea is, uh, for those who don't know, right, uh, that you can reuse a used car battery, let's say, in a stationary storage um, after after it is removed from the car. And so there, in the end, the main problem really is this, this whole uncertainty about the state of batteries and about their projected lifetime, right? Because as, as you can imagine, when you are removing a used car battery, um, you want to make sure that the battery still is safe, is in a good condition, um, can be operated for uh, another like few years up to, to some decades. Uh, especially when you're building like a stationary storage, which also has to fulfill a certain lifetime, has to fulfill a certain business case. And, and back in the days when in like 2014, when we started our PhD, there was like no good solution, right? So batteries, once they got out of the car, um, got like measured under, under laboratory conditions, which is very costly. Um, and, and still there were like a lot of uncertainties how long they will last. So in the end, I thought, okay, how can we solve this from a technology perspective? And, and this is when kind of the technology uh, behind TWICE came up, this digital twin approach, how we call it. So in the end, this idea that you have this, this digital twin, which is kind of a model of the battery, which runs in the cloud, 
And then you always get like data from all the vehicles and all the batteries in the field. And by that, you always know what their current state is. Due to this model-based approach, you also can kind of look into the future, right? I mean, how these batteries are going to perform, how long they are going to last. So you are able to tell um, whether you can uh, um, deploy them into a stationary storage and whether they will fulfill a certain business case or not. Um, so this was essentially like our our like PhD days um, and, and where the idea of TWICE came up. And then like around, I would say 2016, I mean, we, we soon realized, okay, on the one hand side, this is something which you obviously not only can apply to second life of, of batteries, right? But you also can use it in the in-life actually um, once once the vehicles are still uh, in field, uh, in, in usage. Um, and you also can like track the batteries, um, give, let's say, for instance, suggestions to the user how they can treat the battery uh, in order that it lasts longer. And I mean, there are like a lot of different use cases around it. So we saw the potential on the one side of the technology. And on the other hand side, we also saw that back in the days, like no one was doing something in that direction. So even like the word battery analytics software wasn't kind of a word. So then we kind of added one and one together and said, okay, we want to uh, do this by ourselves and and, and found um, or spin, spin a company off after our PhD what we then essentially did in, in 2018. That's very interesting and quite a different story than what you usually hear, right? Because it sounds like when you started the company, when you incorporated in 2018, you basically had a functioning prototype. You knew it was feasible what you were doing, but you hadn't really proven whether there was a cost of demand amount or a working business model for that, I guess. So how did you how did you go about that in this completely new market that you just invented? How were you able to convince people that this was a good idea and that they should pay for this? Yeah, absolutely, Leon. So it was like a little bit the other way around. It wasn't like this kind of classic lean startup approach, right? Where we where you take a close look at some customer problems and then uh, try to figure out the solution. Uh, in our case, it was a little bit the other way. Uh, we had this technology. We kind of had a prototype, or let's call it a solution. Um, and then we were looking for okay, which like other problems can we solve, right? Naturally, I mean, especially since since we are in this like super young and immature market of battery analytics, I mean, then you need to do, I mean, you need to make sure on the one hand side that you are like that you are not like uh, go into like wishful thinking, right? And and it's like like the saying, right? You have a ham hammer, and then every everything looks like a nail, and and you wanna like solve everything with your hammer. So you need to take a close look at customer problems and really see, I mean, how can we solve them? Can we solve them with the technology? I mean, especially also coming from academia and coming from an academic background. I mean, you are typically always looking at, let's say the top 10% of all the problems, right? I mean, really the, the very complex and, and complicated problems, but the broad market and, and also in, in like uh, electrification and renewables, since it's such a young market, kind of the the 90% basis of your customers has like way, let's call it simpler problems, right? Um, so perhaps like not aging prediction is their most relevant topic right now, but they are like um, fighting like 
way um, problems which occur way way further down or or earlier in the, in the product life cycle. Um, so let's say when they want to like put a stationary storage in the field, right? They need to assess do all the batteries have the, the same state of charge and things like um, which sound very trivial in the in the first place, but which are really a pain for the customer. So in the end, to sum up, I mean we kind of needed to step down from this academic course and and really take a close look at the fundamental problems which are affecting our customers right now. And did that change the idea for your product once you started understanding what customers wanted? Definitely, definitely, yeah. So for us, I always used to say, I mean, we we kind of started with with a technology and then built like products around it. Um, And it's essentially still the same. So we always continuously further advancing the technology and then are building multiple products out of that. Like in our case, I mean, um, as as mentioned, I mean, we are building this battery analytics software, which helps all along the life cycle of batteries. And the life cycle typically starts um, with product development, um, battery development. So this is something which we didn't like look in the beginning so much specifically at it. But of course, since the market was so, so young and immature, like most of our customers spent uh, most of their time in the development phase and also had their, their really... Uh, pressing problems there. So this essentially led us at some point uh, towards that we said, okay, um, we now need to make like a product specifically for that life cycle stage and, and also these problems. <clears throat> it actually was and, and is quite different to our like cloud software, which we offer for the in-life phase um, of, of batteries, but it's more kind of a development tool, um, which we also give directly to the customers, um, let's say in the form of a MATLAB Simulink simulation block. Uh, and then they can simulate the battery behavior in like electric thermal and, and aging way and can integrate this into their vehicle simulation tools or storage simulation tools. So yeah, I mean, we we definitely adopted a lot to the market, um, to the life cycle stage our customers were in and essentially to their, to their pressing problems. That makes a lot of sense and I was wondering you're mostly focusing on on B2B right I can imagine that there might not be a whole lot of potential customers out there it's not like a B2C company where you maybe set up a landing page get some traffic and and see what their conversion is so how do you prototype your business model or your product with them without losing them like I guess you want to continue earning their trust and maybe convert them to customers slightly later yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are we are mostly like selling um, or almost exclusively selling B2B. That is a whole difference, right, to like B2C startups. So in the end, I mean, you have a way smaller customer base. Um, you typically have like longer sales cycles and, and you really need to intensely engage with your customers um, and, and, and build trust and build relationships with them. So that's the overall um, core, I would say. I mean, what this this means in our case, I mean, as, as mentioned, as electrification and renewables are such new topics and essentially the, the teams at, at our customers are also pretty new. I mean, they are kind of um, set up and incorporated pretty new. It's also uh, often like people we know from, from academia, from like uh, the research um, field. So it's, it's super important to really engage closely with them and discuss their problems. Um, on a very detailed level. And and then, I mean, when you're building like a new product, right? I mean, you need to find kind of a sweet spot where you are showing them, hey, um, I mean, of course it's a super young field, right? And, and we are also um, kind of still learning, still developing the product, still making progress, right? 
um, and, and, and customers also need to buy in into this kind of journey. But in the end, I mean, you need to give them the feeling that they see, okay, these guys are knowing what they do, right? Um, they are they are like um, on, on the right path. And uh, when I essentially buy into this journey and, and into this like um, this vision, then I will profit um, directly from my business and also essentially from their journey, right? And I can learn essentially alongside with them. So that's, that's the kind of um, most important thing I would say. So it sounds like you are talking to the engineers on, on the work floor, basically. Do you need to speak with them differently than maybe the person that's actually buying the product, which I guess is something like a CFO or something along those lines? Or, or do you really sell to the engineers on the work floor? It, it, it strongly depends really um, in, in, in terms of the different products, um, I would say. So when we when we speak about like um, our development tool, I mean they are they are um, users um, and, and also like decision makers and, and buyers really um, highly technical. Um, I mean they are like engineers by themselves, right? Um, as as mentioned, coming from academia or from a research background, um, so they really know the details. And of course, you need to talk and, and pitch um, and convince them on a on a very technical level. But on the other hand side, when we speak, let's say um, about like in life solutions uh, for for warranty tracking, typically um, customer and users there are more or more coming from economic interest so like the the, the pitch and essentially the value we offer and, and and how we explain it is then like more from economic background right and and from overall to some extent also investment background so it, uh, it highly depends on on, on products yeah. that makes sense and i also wanted to ask you and uh, stefan have quite a well you have a phd background so quite technical what was it like to then start also thinking about the business economics and more of the business related stuff? How did you learn those skills? Did you have, did you go do some courses or did it just naturally grow over time? Um, I, th I would say really <clears throat> mostly learning by doing. Um, so of course it's a different challenge, right? So you need to, to learn a lot in a, in a rather short time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the end, I mean, it's a lot about self-education, right? I read the right books. Um, take some courses. I mean, of course, we also learned a lot from um, our investors, from certain business angels uh, we brought into, into the company. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing like, I mean, that you, that you need to take a whole MBA or something, right? So it's, it's a lot of like common sense, I would say, um, and, and, and uh, some, some aspects, I mean, yeah, which you also can learn in, in a pretty short time. Uh, but you need to make sure, I mean, that you that you are aware of kind of your gaps, right? Um, when you're coming like uh, the entire founding team from a from a more technical background. So you need to know your gaps. You need to be willing to invest there and you also need to know how to fill them. So as mentioned, I mean, bring in the right investors, bring in the right business angels, which have like a specific background and then also can, can contribute um, to the business and where you essentially as a founder also can learn. Let's talk about the investors and angels for a little bit. Um, how did you go about selecting them? Is there because of course they need to want to invest in you, but hopefully you have some choice at some point, and then you can say, "Oh, I want to work with this person, not with that person." What did you look for in investors or angels if they wanted to come on board? Yeah, that's a very good question. Also, a very important one, right? I mean, you can make a lot of a lot of faults, I would say, by selecting investors. And 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 luckily, I mean, we always um, kind of how we. Bit of our fundraising, we always had the choice to really pick investors and, and select some. So in the end, I mean, I always um, 
or, or also Stefan and I as a founding team, we always looked at like three factors with our investors. So one is that they really understand what you're doing. And this this might sound a little bit like stupid in the beginning, but it's, um, I mean, since, since we are um, really a deep tech startup, um, also in a completely new market, a market which is forming out itself, uh, you really need to take a close look um, if like investors really know what this means, right? If they understand the industry, the industry dynamics, that some things can develop quite fast, others might take more time and that they understand like what it means to sell to uh, B2B, to sell into the automotive industry, right? So this is like completely different than like e-commerce or anything else. So really um, take a close look uh, if, if the investors also um, know what this means, yeah? Then the, th the second point is, um, I mean, in our case, we also knew from, from the beginning that um, this is like super exciting and a super exciting opportunity and that electrification and, and renewables will change like our entire society over the course of the next years and, and probably also decades. So it's a great opportunity, but it's also a big challenge, right? And, and, a, and a long lasting challenge. Um, so we won't be done like in, uh, I don't know, like, two years um, and then like everything is electrified and we are all happy so it's it's a it's a long journey uh, we we embarked on uh, and you also need to pick investors who are willing to do that right uh, who don't want to like have a quick payout in like a few years but who are also willing and actually also capable from a financial perspective uh, to invest in the long run and then the third thing and and perhaps also like i wouldn't underestimate this uh, is, is also like really a, a personal fit um, between you as a founding team and you as a founder uh, and, and the investors. Because in the end, I mean, you are like forming a pretty close relationship, right? Um, in, in good and also in bad times. And you should be willing to really have a beer also with, with the investors, right? I mean, you should have like a good, good relationship um, and should feel that this, this will work out um, also over the course of like, multiple years because as I said I mean there are always good times there are then always not so good times uh, and and you should be able to have like a good working uh, and, and constructive relationship uh, all along these years with them. I think those are three really good decision-making criteria. Um, maybe a follow-up question on the first one you said they need to understand your business um, but you also mentioned you're a super young uh, this is a super young field you're basically inventing the field do you mean they really need to understand the technology or they need to understand like the dynamics in this type of field? Um, <clears throat> essentially both, I would say, yeah. So so one, I mean, that's that's very good question, right? As, as you mentioned, I mean, one is the market, right? They need to understand the market dynamics, um, how how this will this will evolve, right? Um, um, how, uh, I mean, of, of, of course, things like how, how big it can get, how, how fast this market can grow, et cetera. And on the other hand side, also like the, the technology and product perspective, right? I mean, what does it mean bring such a product um, to customers, right? I mean, how do like um, your typical customer groups procure such a such a product, right? And um, how does this grow, right? So for instance, in our case, um, let's say in, in the energy market, I mean, we typically start off with some first pilots with customers where they connect like first storages. So starting with, let's say, a few megawatt hours in the beginning, then essentially experience the product. Uh, and then after a few months, once they got like a, a positive impression, right, they start to scale um, the, the, the deployments. Um, 
And then of course, also your, your, your sales and your revenues start to scale. So, yeah, I mean, these are like the two things they, they essentially should be aware. That makes sense. And we said it a few times now, but this is basically a super new field. I was wondering how did that impact your search for talent? Like, were you able to find enough people to help you build this product? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and this is, um, I mean, a very interesting question. I mean, when, 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 when I first, like, like I would say like the first four years and people always ask me, I mean, what, what keeps you up at night, right? What is kind of your, your biggest, your biggest, um, worry right now. Then I always said people finding the right people and, and bringing them into the company. Cause as you mentioned, right, it's, it's a super early field. Um, and they are not like people with like a battery background, battery engineers, or also like a data science, machine learning background. I mean, they are not good people sitting on the streets, right? Um, so um, everyone is looking for them. Um, or also the same for like software engineers, good software engineers. Uh, since we're also based in Munich, right? There's like a lot of, of, of the big tech companies um, here. So a lot of competition. This also like brought us into the, into the direction. I mean, especially talking about like battery engineers that we said, okay, we also need to, to some extent, educate um, our employees by ourselves. And this is why well, it, it's like one reason why we, why we kept like a close relationship with university. So in our case with Techni Technical University of Munich, uh, where we have like um, always like multiple PhD students um, in the end sitting at, at like different chairs. Of course, bringing in like the latest research into our company, but on the other hand side, then also kind of educating the next generation of, of our employees uh, by like um, giving them student thesis, um, giving them like internships, master thesis. And actually by that, I mean, we are, we have recruited quite a lot of, of, of our employees now. Um, and as mentioned, always keep a, keep a very strong um, relationship and foot uh, directly at, at the research field um, and also bring in really the best um, and best educated talent to twice. How many technical people do you have on the payroll at the moment, roughly? So, I mean, worldwide, we are right now around about 120 and 130 people. Um, Overall, I would say it's like almost half of them um, on, on, on the technical side. Um, so, so technical side means like um, everything from like engineering, um, so battery engineering, software engineering, but of course also product management and design. And then, yeah, right now we're also scaling um, highly our commercial team. So in the end, like our account executives, um, sales development representatives and so on. Uh, to really uh, bring our products out into the world, right? Um, so we have opened up um, our office in Paris um, like uh, some time ago and also last year one in Chicago for the US market. And over the course of the next years, um, we'll also scale our global footprint even more. Not a lot of people for such a young field that you were able to find 60, 60 people in this field already that can work in it. And I really liked your, what's keeping you up at night? Maybe I should start asking that in a podcast as well. Is people still what keeps you up at night? Like fi finding the right talent or is it something else? Def definitely, definitely. Yeah. I would say my, my answer has changed, right? And then at the moment I'm, I'm actually sleeping pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm not sure if you're allowed to tell us this, but what is, what's the big next step for twice? What are you working on? Yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of like big next steps um, and a lot of things um, which in the end are, are coming. 
So, I mean, one very exciting thing, uh, perhaps also to like advertise this a little bit, right? Um, which, which actually happens like next week. Um, so last year we formed a, a joint venture with the TÜV Rheinland here in Germany. So it's one of the largest certification institutes. And actually next week we, we are going to have like a press conference to, um, finally now bring what we call the battery quick check, um, to the market. So that's actually um, also a B2C product where, where you as an owner of an electric vehicle can get like, um, yeah, in, in the end, a quick check about your battery system. And then also you get a certificate um, about your battery and, and what it still is worth. Uh, so that can help you like once you, you are selling your electric vehicle or if you're also looking to buy one. Um, so as mentioned, yeah, this will hit the road uh, next week and we are all super excited about this. But speaking for twice, uh, specifically, what we are seeing right now and what I, what I mentioned in the beginning, I mean, as, as, as said, right, we are, we are offering battery analytics all along the life cycle. The last years, like I would say the major portion of, of, of our customer problems was, was really in the development phase where like customers, um, had like, yeah, problems that they don't get like the battery systems fast enough to the market, right. Or spend too much time on, on testing them and also too much money. And as the market matures, this has now also shifted a little bit. So now for basically um, almost every um, vehicle manufacturer, they have now deployed a lot of vehicles into the field. Also stationary storage um, integrators, operators, they now have like large assets in the field uh, or also deploying large, large assets. So the most exciting thing really now the next months will be kind of this transition um, or this, this like stronger transition into in-life um, where we are closing more and more um, big contracts also um, have closed one with like a, a large German truck and bus manufacturer over the, the last weeks. And so this is, this is obviously super exciting. I mean, since you really have like strong and, and big levers uh, once you deploy these, these batteries into the field, um, I mean, they are like super expensive assets. Um, and of course you want to make sure that you are operating them like safely, reliably, and, and as long as possible. So that, so that's, that's like, uh, super exciting for all of us. Um, and also for our customers and, um, really looking forward to, to scale like, um, EV operation in the field over the next couple of months. Congratulations. That's a lot of amazing news. It's really cool. And I can totally imagine that this B2C product can open up the secondhand market a little bit. Like I'm in the market for a new, well, no, a secondhand electric bike. And I know that's very different, but that's also everyone's like, you never know what the battery is like. You never know if it's still safe. You never know what the actual capacity is. So I guess some yeah. analytics that can help you determine that really opens up the secondhand market for probably both vehicles, maybe bikes at some point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I mean, it's it's always this point, right? What a lot of people forget. I mean, batteries are super expensive, right? When when we when you look at like cars, I mean, they they make up like thirty to fifty percent of the the vehicle manufacturing costs. Um, so like for an, for a recent EV, like battery prices are like five figures, um, five figure numbers in the end. So you really want to make sure that you are not buying kind of a black box um, where you then end up stuck at some point, uh, but that you are really like buying a good, still good product, which you can operate for, for many, many more years to come. Yeah. And I can also imagine that what you're mentioning, right? Like you're building products and it just takes such a long time. And now it feels like 
some of them are starting to bloom and really scale and, and being available, that that's a really exciting and also a little bit of a new time for TWICE. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, it's super exciting, right? For, for us as, as owners, um, of course, but also especially for, for the entire team. Uh, since, uh, as mentioned, I mean, now, uh, I mean, we are five years old. Um, people have really put a lot of effort into uh, not only building the technology behind it and everything, but also really prototyping, um, testing these products with like first customers, um, adjusting things, fine tuning things, um, making them scalable. And it's super exciting for the entire team to really now get this out, deploy it in a large scale and, and really see how it benefits our customers in, in their daily business and how they really can like um, foster uh, in the end scale and accelerate their business. So that's that's what TWICE in the end is all about. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys are on the right track and I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the next few years. Actually, that also brings us to the end of this podcast already. And I always end by asking um, if there's anything you hope that your fellows can take away from this uh, podcast, from this talk, what is it? What should they keep in mind when they're finding their companies? Um, I mean, in the end, I mean, since, since I mean, there are, there are a lot of things um, people should, should um, take away. And I think like first... Uh, I would say for like uh, Germany as a whole, but also like um, entire Europe, I would say being more like willing to take risk, yeah, and 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 willing to to embark in this in this journey. Um, I mean, we are still. I mean, we also now have like two um, American investors, right? And when I when I look into the US, uh, not only like places like Silicon Valley, but also all around. I mean, entrepreneurship um, is already like way more mature there right and and way way more spread out i mean germany in europe has has like made good progress over the last couple of years also especially in munich here a great ecosystem um, pushed by unternehmertum has developed uh, but but still i mean like the the kind of when you look at like percentages um, of, of people um, who embark into like a startup journey might be like founding something by themselves or or like actually uh, going to a startup is, is considerably small. And so I think really looking from from both both perspectives, right? I mean, founding something or like um, starting at a startup as an employee, people should be more <clears throat> more willing to do that and, and actually try this out. And so that's actually also a funny thing. I mean, when, when, I, when, when I look at like the last recent two years, um, I mean, people have, have always said, well, startups is, is, is kind of, there's such a high uncertainty when I go to like a startup as an employee, right? But what we've seen like over the last two years is that it actually like often is kind of the opposite, right? Because a lot of companies have like um, have had like large employee cutdowns, right? And and essentially um, like yeah, uh, terminated a lot of contracts. And and we have still always been growing over the last couple of years. Um, so I mean, there also can be like. Uh, situations where, where actually startups are way more more certain and secure than you would expect them to. So yeah, first advice like willingness to take more risk, right, and 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 go into like the startup journey. And then I mean, in the end, what also accounts for us, right, um, coming from from uh, a research background and academia, and I think like it's it's super important and it's 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 pretty good also that we have such a strong research and academic field uh, in, in Germany and in Europe. But on the other hand side, I mean, once you then go into like um, 
building a new product um, for, let's say, a new market, right? And and uh, doing this in a startup, you also need to kind of switch your your mindset from, let's say, um, better done than than perfect, right? Uh, so so not try to optimize everything, right? Uh, which you typically do in in, in a research uh, background or a research field, but but rather get things done, right? Get them to the customer. Um, get some feedback in and and then iterate and improve. Yeah? So it's a it's a certain switch of mindset um, which you need to have once you once you start a company. Yeah, I think that's also what we see in a lot of people that come from academia. They're just so used to making everything perfect and being very certain about the numbers that they put in that it's probably not what your customer cares about at that granular level. So there's so much more to a product than just being certain about this very small point. That's a yeah. good advice. We'll make sure to tell our PhD uh, fellows that. Super, Michael. Well, thank you so much for appearing on our podcast. I think this was, uh, I learned a lot today. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. So thanks, Lian, for inviting me. Um, it was, was, was great yeah, having that conversation. Um, and all the best, yeah. Thank you. This was Leon Borma interviewing Michael Baumann. Thank you for listening. <laughs>